Hello everyone and welcome to the return of the Nobody's Ready podcast. Um, it has been a while. Um, the last time I recorded a podcast it was reviewing the absolutely tremendous pay-per-view from AW with All Out. Um, since then I've been very busy with work and a few other things. Um, the wrestling world has, has, as always has been very busy. Um, so today's podcast I'm going to talk about a few different promotions. Not them, everyone else, but them. Um, we'll mention them, you know, secondhandly. But um, but yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about Ring of Honor. Um, not so good times for them at the moment, really. Um, I'll touch on New Japan and Impact. Uh, I'll mainly focus on AEW. We've, we've just come off the back of Full Gear. Uh, the new directions we're going in following that. I'm going to talk about Kenny Omega a little bit and... Obviously, it's the end of his title run now. He's taking some time off. And I just want to look back on what was, for me, one of the better title runs in recent memory, uh, certainly in American wrestling. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about that. And then, yeah, I'll talk some more Ring of Honor, possibly touch more on the Ring of Honor Final Battle pay-per-view, which is coming up in December. I might even do a blog or a podcast on that at some point. Um, and I'm going to finish today with some fantasy booking and that is I'm going to have a little go at how I would book in a dream world the return of Kenny Omega when he does finish his time off of AEW so yeah lots to talk about as always and lots going on in this wacky yet pretty wonderful world of professional wrestling So, let's not talk about WWE. Let's not. Because I, I've taken the philosophy of that company now. I've got nothing nice to say. I'm just not going to say anything. So, I'm not going to say anything. Um, Ring of Honor, then. Um, quite a, a sad story, for those of you who don't know. So, Ring of Honor pretty much went dark from the start of the pandemic. I mean, they didn't have any fans. They haven't had any fans since the pandemic. Um, they didn't have any shows for a little bit. They had a load of big shows lined up for that WrestleMania weekend, that, the one that ended up being in the um, the Performance Centre, um, which obviously never happened. They put out a statement recently, which basically said that... Well, I'll translate it to you. Basically, the company it, uh, released all their contracted talent all the guys signed to deals with them and they're now free agents. They will put on Final Battle, which is their traditional big pay-per-view. That's in December, December the 11th, I think. Yeah. And then they're taking a break for a few months. And then I think their plan is to return, but pretty much be like an independent promotion. They're not going to have any contracted talent, which... Again, it's going to be difficult for them to do storylines and stuff because there's there's nothing stopping people they book on one show then going and signing a contract with another company. Um, but yeah, a lot of talented individuals, just like the releases from WWE, but a lot of talented individuals um, are going to have to find new homes. You know, we've already seen Jay Lethal has gone to AEW. Um there's a, there's a whole host of, of big names there, the likes of Bandido and, and Mike and Maria and Dalton Castle and a few big names which 
big names to 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 those who know them, but I think a lot of names which a lot of people won't know, and a lot of people hopefully will get to know in the next weeks and months when they um they hopefully find new homes. New Japan, New Japan Pro Wrestling, they are. I mean, it's tricky for them because everything's pending COVID, but they are building to Wrestle Kingdom, which is their big, big event. So they've they've technically got three nights of Wrestle Kingdom, night one and night two, but then night three, a couple of days later, is going to be New Japan versus Noah, which is another promotion in Japan. So that'd be an interesting concept. But their big thing, I guess the two big things for them really is the chase to kind of crown the undisputed champion you've got night one wrestle kingdom headlined by shingo takagi the current iwgp heavyweight champion and he's facing okada who won the g1 and he's carrying around instead of the g1 trophy he's carrying around the old iwgp heavyweight title which he wore probably most famously and then night two the winner of that match will face will osprey who was IWGP heavyweight champion and he's carrying around an IWGP heavyweight championship belt but he was of course never pinned or submitted for the title he never lost the title he was stripped of it once he he suffered an injury Um, so yeah he's facing the winner of Okada Shingo and we'll find out who's going to end up being the top guy in Japan come I guess the middle of January it'll be by then but I guess the other current thing is, which I just read recently, I think I've read that um, Japan have banned foreign, you know, people coming in from foreign countries, um, other than extreme exceptions. So that's going to be a bit of a stinker for, for New Japan in terms of who they can actually get for Wrestle Kingdom. Um, we saw how, how that hit the G1. You know, there was a lot of big names who who missed out on the G1. Um, because of that and yeah it, it just make things tricky for them I guess because I think that as good as the New Japan roster is I think it can be greatly improved with a couple of names from AEW a couple of names from here or there um, but we'll see what they do. They've done okay so far. I mean, their booking during the pandemic has been up and down. But I think building to Wrestle Kingdom, I think, um, yeah, they'll put on a great couple of nights, as always, as they tend to. What else we got going on? Uh, Impact. Impact are doing their thing, as always. Um, I actually watched their most recent show. Um, I actually had COVID at the time myself, so... I was going to do a blog on it, but I watched their recent pay-per-view, uh, which are a couple of big surprises, really. I guess the first one being that Diana Perazzo lost the knockouts title to Mickey James. I know she's got a rematch coming up at their next big show, but that was a bit of a shock to me. As was... Well, it, in the main event, they had Christian defend the Impact World title against Josh Alexander, who has long been to me the guy to be you know the guy at impact until he wasn't you know he beat christian and then immediately moose who had won a battle royal earlier in the night 
cashed in his title shot and literally within seconds of Josh Alexander being in the ring, celebrating his world title victory with his family. Moose had pinned him and Moose is the Impact Champion now. Um, So they've got big, bad heel Moose as their champion, which is an interesting direction Um, and good for them. You know, it's, it's after Omega and Christian and the partnership with AEW seems to be winding down. I think now that they've got one of their own guys, and Moose is definitely an impact guy. Um, I think he's openly... Well, it's pretty much an open secret. He turned down WWE to sign his most recent extension with Impact. Um, and good for them. You know, I, I think in terms of the product they put out, I think you could easily claim that Impact are putting on one of the best shows or best products in America. I think probably behind AEW in my books, but I'd say most Impact shows are better than most WWE shows. To scale, anyway. Um, so yeah, they're doing good. Um, I guess the big one would be AEW. Obviously, you know, Full Gear was a tremendous show. For those of you who didn't watch that show, I did a blog reviewing it. Um, I loved it. As a show, was it as good as All Out? Probably not overall. Not say it was a bad show by any means. It was an it was another all time classic pay per view, for me. The standard of wrestling, the standard of matches was better than All Out. I think the main event between Page and Omega was probably one of the matches of the year. Um, and we've already seen a few new directions that are going in. We've got obviously Brian and Page. We've got Punk and MJF. Kenny's taking his time off. Adam Cole, I guess, is the de facto leader of the elite now. We'll see where that goes. Um, but they've got a little bit of time now till the next pay per view. They've got a few big, semi big shows. They've got this uh, the Winter is Coming TV special, which, I mean, last year, my God, we had the debut of Sting and we had Omega beating Mox for the title, and then the partnership of Impact starting. So it was pretty notable last year. The Winter is Coming show. I think that's in a couple of weeks actually. Um, so there's that. There's. I mean, it appears that Rio is, is going to be the next challenger for Brit, given that she beat her on Rampage to get the title shot, which was a shock to me. But they did a little thing, which I only noted via looking on Twitter, actually, that Rio has now beaten Brit three times with pretty much the same move, like a flash pin, which is a quite a nice little story arc. And they've kept Brit really strong. And, and rightfully so, she's been tremendous as champion. I'm not sure if Rio will beat her, for the title, but again, it's a, it's, it's a new it's a challenger for Brit. Um, I think long term the the destination for me it looks like to be Thunder Rosa. For Brit, um, but we'll see where that goes, and we'll see where a few different things go in AW. But it's all good stuff, as always. Um, so yeah, we'll see where they end up, and I think next. I'm going to look back and pay tribute to what I think was one of the very best title reigns in recent memory. So I'm going to talk to you all now and look back, really, on the quite brilliant um, AEW World Championship reign of Kenny Omega. Just 
just a little update I want to give now before I um, speak about Kenny Omega's title reign in AW. Um, something that came out after I recorded that part of the podcast yesterday. Um, let me just read this. This is from the Wrestling Observer Figure 4 online website. Um, NJPW is still expecting Will Ospreay and other foreign talent to be allowed to enter Japan for Wrestle Kingdom 16. In an interview with Tokyo Sports, NJPW President Dakama on... Bare, sorry, I've butchered that. I do apologise to the uh, New Japan president. Anyway, he stated that neutral restrictions implemented in Japan due to COVID-19 Omicron variant will not apply to talent that already have visas. Under the current rules, I've heard that for regular foreign wrestlers have visas to work in Japan, so they will be treated as re-entry. This has been confirmed by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. A ban on new non-resident foreign nationals entering Japan went into effect today. Those who are permitted to enter the country will be able to abide by a 14-day quarantine that has been in place for some time. As the plan to reduce quarantine to 3 or 10 days has been suspended, according to the United States Embassy in Japan. So, yeah, basically, those who have already been in Japan, the likes of maybe Will Ospreay and I know Jay White's in America at the moment doing some stuff, and I guess Kenta because I think Kenta does reside in America, despite being Japanese and holding a you know, New Japan belt. I, I presume that they'll be fine for Wrestle Kingdom come January. Um, but again, who who the fuck knows what's going to happen in a few months? We don't know what's going to happen in uh, next month, of course. Now we're in December, um, which, of course, seemingly brings me on to the fact that tomorrow is the the one-year anniversary of the AW Dynamite Winter is Coming special. Um, that, of course, historic episode for a number of the reasons. Firstly, obviously, it was the debut of Sting in AW, and I'll, I'll talk about that at some point again, I'm sure. Um, but the main event of that show was John Moxley and Kenny Omega for the AW World title, and that was where Omega, with the help of Don Callis, um, won the AW title. And it kicked off a reign that lasted almost a year, up until full gear, of course. And obviously they went through the you know, the back end of the pandemic. I think John Moxley, as I've said before, did a tremendous job carrying the AEW World title as champion during the early days of the pandemic. Um, but I think Kenny Omega's title reign is, is one of the best in recent memory in American wrestling. I think the quality of matches... The, which is not a surprise from Kenny Omega, but there were those who, and it was even referenced in storylines in, in AW, um, there were those who said, where is the Kenny Omega from New Japan? Where is the, the best bout machine? I think he showed that in abundance as champion. Um, and I think, his, like I said, his character development, there was, you know, little bits here and there which reminded you of 2003 Triple H, which... I mean, if you want a prototype for a, a heel world champion, as a character, that's your guy. Um, I think Omega bringing in the elite, uh, uh, bringing those guys up with him, really. I think the the rise of Kenny Omega as a, a dickhead heel goes hand in hand with that of the Young Bucks. Um, and having Don Callis with him and Michael Nakazawa and, and Cutler and all those guys. Great, brilliant. Um, and even... Omega going into Impact and going to AAA and being their world champion as well at times. Um, tremendous, brilliant, the, the whole lot. 
Um, but I think it was, again, it was just the quality of matches. Um, I know it, it got off, off to obviously a rocky start with, you know, the the botch of the exploding match with Marks. Um, but I think after that, obviously, the match with Christian, which was really good. The match with Brian Danielson, I'll definitely talk about more because I think it was... I mean, it's one of the best TV matches in terms of regular weekly TV that's not a, a special pay-per-view or an event that I've ever seen. Um, even the match on Rampage with Christian for the you know the Impact title, I know it's not AEW World Cup, but I think this whole run of Kenny Omega isn't just him as AEW champion. I think it's him as, as the world champion, really, in the sense that he did go to, to AAA in Mexico and become their champion. He, he did go to Impact Wrestling and become their champion. You think back to the the three way he had on pay per view with Park and Orange Cassidy, which was brilliant. It was really good fun. Um, we'll miss Kenny Omega a lot. You're bound to, but I think this has superseded. I, I actually think this has superseded this run. Has superseded anything Omega's done in his career. I think you can look at the individual matches with Okada in New Japan. Of course, of course. I mean that the two out of three fours where he won the IWGP title is the best match I've ever seen. You know, there's there's no greater accolade you can give a match than that. Um, <laughs> but I think in terms of a sustained run, I think the American audience really got a, a taste of what Kenny Omega was and then some. Um, he's obviously hurting now. When we'll see him back, I don't know. Um, I'll kind of have my own spin on it. Um at the end of the podcast but I just think that in terms of great title reigns um, I think this has been one of one of the best we've seen let me just see if I can pull up some of Kenny's matches so I can talk about them more specifically because I really do I think as great as the character of Omega has been I think the um, the matches have been just been on another freaking level since he became champion so let's have a look so yeah he was already triple a champion when he beat moxley yeah um let's see he had a great match with ray phoenix on in january that yeah that that was that was really good he went you know he had a few six mans with guys and anderson with him um Matt Seidel, he beat. What else have we got? Um, yeah, as I mentioned, the three-way. He had that great match with Jungle Boy for the title. Um, yeah, God, he's faced so many people. Um, and then, yeah, it, it, it all culminated with, with the match with Hangman, which might have been the best of the lot. Might have been. I don't want to give any spoilers away for my end of year you know review match of the year I've generally not decided on what's going to be the match of the year by the way really close between the top three I think um and Omega's involved in two of them so that says everything you need to know but no I I think the matches have been outstanding as a standard um it's not a surprise to me really given all the great matches and the hard-hitting matches he's had during this run in particular that he needs to take a lot of time off for his injuries now that's not a shock to me at all um, and he deserves the rest, put it that way. Um, but yeah, I think 
and even looking at Hangman now, I think it's shown in the past with with Kofi Kingston and and Daniel Bryan, with Daniel Bryan and the Authority. For the good guys' triumph to be as as great as it should be, you need that antagonist to go up against, and I think Kenny Omega was the perfect antagonist for Hangman Adam Page. And I think he was his key part to that storyline as Hangman. Obviously, it's Hangman's story, but it's not as great without Omega being as great as he was in his role. Um, and I think credit really needs to go to him for that. And it will do. It will do. Um, I was always Okada over Omega. Um, I think that's changed now for me. I think the fact that... And, it, you know, it was always the test of, like... Um, comparing it to football, of the likes of, you know, Lionel Messi, for example. The thing with Lionel Messi is everyone was saying, well, what's he going to be like when he leaves Barcelona? When he, he leaves his, not his comfort zone, but where he's always been great, you know, where he's tearing it up. We've seen Kenny Omega leave Japan now, come to America, come to a big company, come to a few companies. And for me, he's stepped up and he's got even better. And I think that's the the definition of greatness for me. The fact that you can go not just in one place, but all over the place and be great. Uh, and that's what he is. He is uh, a great Kenny Omega. Um, and yeah, I think this title reign will be looked at as, as one of the best for me. And it should be. It definitely should be, because that's what it was. And that takes me seemingly on to my fantasy booking segment which I'm going to end the show and the uh, podcast with so this fantasy booking is of the return of Kenny Omega in a dream world now there's a lot here which is a, a little far-fetched but that's you know that's fantasy booking for you isn't it um so let's um let's give you my idea and see if uh if TK uses any of it in the future, um, <laughs> he's more than welcome to, because I think this would be really good. But anyway, obviously Kenny lost the title at full gear, and he's going to take some time off to heal up all his injuries and stuff like that, wear and tear. So whilst he's gone, you've got Adam Cole. You now he's taking it upon himself to be the de facto leader of the elite. And the Unbox aren't convinced they're loyal to Kenny, but... Um, Adam Cole talks of, of looking forward, looking to the future, looking to, for the, the good of the elite. You know, he's, he's trying to convince them that we need to look forward. You know, Kenny's not here. We need to, you know, push on without him. Um, now, they've been building for a little bit between Adam Cole and Jungle Boy to have this big match where it, it appears very apparent to me that Jungle Boy is going to pin Adam Cole eventually in a singles match because Adam Cole, you know, first moment in AEW... Super kicks Jungle Boy, turns heel instantly. He's pinned Jungle Boy again and again and again. Um, so, yeah, eventually we do the singles match, Adam Cole and Jungle Boy, and Jungle Boy beats him. And the young bucks are like, what the fuck? You know, you, you wanted to be our leader, and you just lost to Jungle Boy. Like, come on. Um, but eventually Adam Cole, you know, he keeps going. He, he turns it around, and eventually he he helps the young bucks you know, get a few big wins here and there and, and does a couple of bits. And Adam Cole teases that he's got a big surprise for the Young Bucks. And he wants to, you know, as his, like, um, his manifesto as, as leader of the elite. 
the surprise is Kevin Steen, which many more of you will know as Kevin Owens. Kevin Steen is the surprise, who is one of Adam Cole's best friends in real life, as he is with the Young Bucks as well. So, Kevin Steen is is rescued from WWE, and he's he is all elite. So now you've got Kevin Steen, you've got Adam Cole, and the Bucks, and they are flying in AEW. They are tearing through people. The promos are great. They're getting wins. They're having a great time. And just when they get, you know, to their peak, that's when Omega returns, and he's like, "Hi, hey. you know, I'm back." Um, and it's at that point that like Adam Cole's like, "Well, we've we've kind of moved on, you know. We've got Kevin Steen. I think Adam Cole might even I'd even have him say like casually, but he means it in a dickhead way. Um, we're not sure if we've got a spot for you in the elite." And Omega's like, "What the fuck? Like, I am the elite. Like, what do you mean?" Um, obviously, Kevin Steen's gonna be on Adam Cole's side because he's Adam Cole's boy. The Young Bucks, they're like, mm, they're not too sure. So we eventually get to the pay-per-view and this feud between Cole and Omega is, is kind of friendly, rivalry, but it gets more personal as we go along. Um, so going to the pay-per-view, it's eventually going to be Adam Cole and Kevin Steen against Kenny Omega and a partner. But Adam Cole's like, well, you've got no friends left, yada, yada, because guys and I send a lawyer to Adam Cole now and even Michael Nakazawa says no. And I think Adam Cole, we could even have Adam Cole make a joke like, well, are you going to pick Michael Nakazawa? You know, both the Young Bucks are not sure. They don't want to commit to Kenny because they're not sure. Eventually, Kenny picks his partner and it's Kota Ibushi from New Japan. Of course, Kenny Omega's long-time friend, rival friend. Um, anyway, after that big tag team match, you have it on pay-per-view or a Dynamite special or whatever, or a, ramp, or a big rampage or, or whatever. Kenny and Kota win. Adam Cole's fuming. He demands more respect. Um, and he's like, right, I'm not having this. I'm really not. So Adam Cole brings in Kyle O'Reilly from WWE as well. Another one of his friends. And eventually brings in Bobby Fish as well. And he's like, right, we're not having this. So Bobby Fish, O'Reilly, Cole and Steen batter Kenny Omega and Kerry as they're celebrating their win. And like... The Bucks are like, fuck this, we've had enough. And the Bucks make the save. And the Bucks turn babyface and they help Omega and they help Ibushi. And to the only way that I think you could settle this is you do a blood and guts match. Which, for those of you who don't know, is AEW's version of war games. Only they do war games in the classic way. Um, so the big blood and guts match... Is Adam Cole, Kevin Steen, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish against Kenny Omega, Kurt Ibushi, and the Young Bucks? Now, I think you probably have the baby faces win. You could have, you know, I guess the new undisputed era, <laughs> whatever you want to call that group. I don't know. You could have them win, but um, I think after this, you'd have. I mean, Kota would go back to Japan. Um, Omega and the Bucks are kind of reunited as a trio and then I think y you'd probably have a feud between Kevin Steen and Adam Cole with one of them being the face and the heel probably Steen being the heel in that you could even have Fish and O'Reilly turn on Cole and align themselves with Steen that'd be pretty cool um, but yeah I think 
in what sort of time frame this is. Obviously, we don't know how long Omega's going to be out. I think they've, they've kind of muted the February pay-per-view, but you don't know, do you? He, he's pretty banged up. He's pretty banged up, Omega, and I think he deserves as much rest as he can get. We might not even see him until Double or Nothing, which is like May time next year. Who knows? You really don't know. Um, but yeah, I think when Omega comes back, I think it's already clear that even when Cole said, you know, don't worry, I've got this, to Omega, and Omega was like, well, I kind of meant the box. I, I think it's pretty clear that we're going towards Omega and Cole when Omega comes back. So if they do it this way that I've suggested or in another way, who knows? But um, but yeah, that's uh, my little fancy booking idea for the return of Kenny Omega. Right, thanks for listening. Um, it's been nice to do a podcast again after a little, you know, a little break. Um, I'm hoping to do a couple more in December, um, but who knows? I, I, I try not to make commitments too much because, you know, stuff can get in the way and time-wise and stuff, but I'll try and do a couple more in December at least. And, um, and yeah, who the heck knows what's going to happen in pro wrestling in the next, you know, however long it is until I do another podcast. But, um, yeah, thanks for listening, and um, I will see you all soon.